When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dolores Presley is an international keynote speaker, published author, and business life coach with more than three decades of experience. She is a confidence strategist and president of Dolores Presley Worldwide and founder of She Elevates, a nonprofit organization created to empower girls to become confident leaders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. Her story has been featured in Speaker Magazine, Glamour, Washington Post, Essence, Ebony, and Marie Claire. She has appeared on the Bravo TV Network, Married to Medicine, TCT Network, Entertainment Tonight, and Oprah. She has received many awards, including the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award from President Barack Obama. Tonight, she shares her stories with us and Uncle Nearest, 1856. This is straight talk you won't hear anywhere else. I'm Kalen Bingham, and this is the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Cheers. Okay, we're back with another episode, and this one I have been looking forward to for a while. Every now and again, I meet someone, and there is a draw, there's a connection that I can't explain, I can't put my finger on it. Don't know if that's ever happened to you, but that was that was the case here. I met this lady, we had a conversation on another show and there was just such a connection that I just couldn't put my finger on, nor could I explain it. And so I just said right then, you're drafted to be on an episode of Whiskey, Jazz and Leadership. And so with that, I want to invite Ms. Dolores Presley to come on in the room Welcome, welcome. Come on in the room. Hello, how are you doing? Hey, Gail, and I am here, and I am ready and honored to be a guest on your podcast. I can't even explain all the things that you do, and so I've got a lot of questions. Looking forward to this conversation, and for this conversation, I decided to go with, you know, just one of my favorite whiskeys, because this is whiskey jazz and leadership, but I decided to go with one of my favorites. So I reached for, it's relatively new. It's uh, Uncle Nearest. Really cool story. Uncle Nearest, Nathaniel Green, uh, was supposedly the slave who taught Jack Daniels how to distill bourbon. A few years back, they came out with a whiskey in honor of Uncle Nearest. They used to call him Uncle Nearest, Nearest Green. And 
This is just absolutely amazing. There are a couple of different versions. There is the 1820, which is like incredibly coveted and you can't really get it. There's the 1856, which uh, I'm enjoying. And then there's the 1884, which I haven't had yet. I'm sure it's great. But for this, because the story is so amazing and I'm going to be talking to an incredible storyteller, you know, let me go ahead and I'm going to open this up and pour just a little bit. What are you drinking? What are you going to be drinking? I am drinking Seagram's. <laughs> and then Seagram's ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That works. That works. Seagram's <laughs> ginger ale. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and get into this, but I would just love for you to just share a little bit more about how someone goes from being a teacher to speaking all over the world, being on television, writing books, rubbing shoulders with the likes of Oprah Winfrey and, and being honored by President Barack Obama. How does that journey even happen? Your life is impossible. It's, it's not possible to do what you've already done. Give me a little context as I, as I sip on this 1856. Well, first of all, I think it's the grace of God. You know, I have a strong faith and I recognize that that has helped me. Also, tenacity. I think when you're a leader or you're in business, you have to hang in there no matter what. And Galen, my story goes back really to being a young girl around six. And they robbed me of being a ballerina back then when I was six. And they told my mother she had to sign me up for tap dance because I was too fat. But I'm so happy they did that because that formulated my whole life. And my best friend, who's still my best friend, got a chance to be the beautiful ballerina and I had to do the tap dance. But when I was about six, I was like, no one is going to rob me of my dreams. No one is going to tell me what I can and cannot do. And even now, my husband of 42 years goes, let go of the ballerina story, Dolores. Come on, let it go. Because I'd be like, oh, no, you can't tell me what to do or whatever. So that really formulated me being robbed of my dreams. And then I go to high school and my guidance counselor tells me I'm not college material. And to her defense, I was at a vocational high school where basically we learned a trade, but I wanted to go to college. And she said, that's not happening. Well, you know, I went to college, right? <laughs> just because, probably just because she said I couldn't. And then fast forward, I decided that I wanted to start one of the first modeling agencies for plus size women. And that's over like 35, almost 40 years ago. I wanted to do that. And it wasn't really heard of. And when I went to modeling agencies, they laughed in my face. They're like, lady, you might be kind of cute, but have you looked in the mirror lately? You're fat and I'm like, yeah, I'm fat, but what does that have to do with loving who I am, where I am? And so they wouldn't take me. And I started, I said, I'll start my own modeling agency for plus size women. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. It was hard because back then, just even trying to get a woman to say that she's beautiful and she can model I believe it's Dillard's now. I don't know if people have Dillard's in their area, but it was Higby's back then. And that was the first company that called me and they needed six plus size women that they were going to pay. And that 
just parlayed into being in glamour and essence and reclaim. But it came with hard sweat and tears too. It's, it wasn't easy, but I did it. And that's what I want your listeners to know. It may not be easy, but you can do it. Wow. You know, all of these things that you have already done, many people would say, oh gosh, I would love to be able to do that someday, but that's impossible. It's not possible to do those kinds of things. Well, that might have worked for her, but that's not possible. And one of the phrases that really causes me to cringe is when I hear the phrase someday. Because when I hear someday, what I translate that as meaning is I'm really not going to do it, but I don't want you to badger me about it. So I'm going to say someday so that hopefully you get off my back. What's your reaction when people say, I wish I could do the things that you've done, but I can't? Or I will do that someday? All of those words that make the hair on the back of my neck stand up just to repeat. But what's your reaction when you hear some of those comments? <laughs> say, stop it. <laughs> just say, stop it. And literally put your hand up and say, stop it to yourself. And you can even say your name if you want to. Because what I can do, everyone else can do whatever it is that they want to do. You are more valuable, more valuable than you've ever been taught to believe. You have so much worth, but I have to work on mindset sometimes with people for them to really recognize that they can do these things. And that's why I love coaching women. I mostly coach women. I have coached a few men, but I love that because when they come, they have no idea of what they can do. One of my clients, Jalon, who literally didn't speak above a whisper when I met her. I met her. I was in Atlanta speaking, I believe. And I was telling um, a story of how Chris Gardner, who I had a chance to work with from the pursuit of happiness. You're right. I have worked with a lot of people. This is not Will Smith. This is like the real dude. This is the real dude who came to my school. And as I mentioned before, I did a lot of these things while I was still an elementary school teacher. And he asked my students, like, what does Mrs. Presley teach you? And um, the little girl stood up and said, Mrs. Presley says, always speak from your diagram. And he laughed and I laughed and I told that story. And then my client, and she's still my client, this, I'm like, you really need to speak from your diaphragm. And that's what I told my students, but he laughed so hard about that. And we still chuckle about that. But yeah, so she now is speaking all over the world. She owns a pharmacy. She's her and her husband co-owns a pharmacy. She has a group home for women with hope. And I'm just saying, this lady didn't speak above a whisper. And it took me probably several months to even help her with her mindset that she can do it. So everyone who's listening, you can. And don't say those words to Galen because he doesn't like it or something. <laughs> Tell him today. I'm starting today. And that's another thing. I hold people accountable. We write it down. We not only write it down, but we put dates on it. And sometimes I'll say, okay, what time on that day are you going to start? And I think that's important as well. You are also from, and I guess you've been there most of your life, from one of my more favorite places in the whole world, 
I lived in Cleveland for about two years. And uh, I'll tell you, when they asked me to go to Cleveland, uh, I had all these images in my head and I've heard all the stories and, and jokes about that part of the, of the country. And I absolutely loved <laughs> Cleveland. So not only did I live in Cleveland, but I also lived in Syracuse and I lived in Detroit. And these are places that people often have funny stories that they tell about how bad it is, how terrible it is. And I've enjoyed my time there. And so the reason, uh, you know, reason I bring that up is you're in Ohio, but how have you helped people think through the perceptions that other folks might have of them? How do you, how do you encourage people to work through their perceptions? And I'm thinking specifically about some of the books that you've written because you've done some pretty heavy duty motivational stuff. And I'm sure you've had a lot of people come in with, these are the stories that people say about me, tell about me, my size, my face, how I look, you know, where I'm from. How do you get people to see beyond that and see something greater in themselves? Well, I use a couple tools. One of the tools that I use is called the Believe in the Power of You jar. And that jar is something that sits on your desk, but you have to get some sticky notes or just notepads and a pen. And you need to start writing down your achievements. Like when I finish here, I have to put in my jar that I was on your podcast. And everyone, if you get a compliment at work, and especially women, we don't always take compliments. So I think you have to see your achievements in front of you. And I don't want anyone to tell me, well, I never had an achievement because that's not true. Because you're alive, you can write in your jar, I'm alive, because that is an accomplishment. So when you get on those days when you're like thinking, I cannot do this, you know, Dolores has done this and Galen's done that, but I can't, then you go inside your jar and look at all the amazing things that you have done. And when it's in front of you, you can see it. I've been a big girl all my life. I've lived in a little small town and I've lived here my entire life, Canton, Ohio. But I've always thought bigger than Canton. I always thought, you know, I'm going to leave. I thought I would move other places, but my husband and I decided we would never leave our parents, but we've lost our parents now. But that's kind of why we stayed in the city. But think big. So I said, you know, Canton is kind of small. People think small, but I don't think that way. I think huge. And I just said on Clubhouse the other day, and, and actually I was with some television people. I said it yesterday too, to them from a, a TV station that I am going to be interviewed by some mega star like Ellen or someone. And I, because I want the young ladies who I coach and help with the academy that I have, she elevates. I have no doubt about, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if it'll be Ellen, but you're going to look on national television and you're going to see me. And that's exactly what I did with Oprah. People are like, are you crazy? How are you going to get on the Oprah Winfrey show? I did just what I'm saying to you. I don't have a shadow of a doubt. I have to try to figure it out and I'm working on it, but I don't have any doubts. Wow. You may be zeroing in and helping me figure out the connection and the energy that I felt the first time we talked. Where does this confidence, this conviction 
this unwillingness to accept anything other than, where does that come from? Oh, first I believe it's something to do with my faith. There are times when I'm not confident. People think that I'm confident 24-7. That's not the case. Because I don't even know if anyone could be confident Mm. 24-7. When I was doing a beauty pageant for plus-size women, I went on Entertainment Tonight with Donald Trump, who now he's a former president. But at the time, it was kind of scary because Entertainment Tonight called me and said, you're going to be talking on Entertainment Tonight with the Donald Trump. So I was a little not confident, but I found it deep down in because I believed in what I was doing at the time. He was going to dethrone his Miss Universe because she had gained too much weight. And I was doing uh, pageants and conferences for women of size. And I got on there and I said to him that beauty comes in all shapes and sizes. Was I a little fearful? Yeah, I just took a deep breath and did it anyway. So you might be fearing out there. If you're feeling fearful, and I know that's a trite sound that, um, quote, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway, but I kind of live by that. And I think, well, breathing, there's a lot of breathing techniques that can help you with your fears. Boy, I can identify with this need to do things, although you might be nervous. And what I often think about and coach my clients The scariest part is the first step, because after you take that first step, then the second step is a little bit easier. And then if you take the second step, well, the third step is just right there. So you might as well take that, too. And if you're not careful, you might trip over the fourth step. But it's that first step that we build up so much anxiety around playing all of these scenarios in our head as to why that first step couldn't mean the end of our life, when in reality, it's, it's never as serious as we, as we make it out to be. So I can absolutely relate to that. You know, one of the things you said earlier, and I wanted to, uh, this could get me in trouble, but I got to go in anyway, because I got you right here. You said that, that we don't take compliments very well, and specifically women, you found, don't accept compliments. We usually defer and deflect and oh, this old thing. And, you know, I just pull this out of the, out of the hamper or I just pull this out of the closet, that kind of thing. What is it that causes us to defer and deflect when someone is actually trying to pay honor to us? Well, for women, I think it goes back to when we're little. They say things to us like when we're young, you know, girls are to be seen and not heard. And other things that people say when we're small, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and all those things that we hear, I think it affects us as an adult. I've done it before, too, when someone's trying to compliment me, but I, as it's starting to formulate in my mind, I go to that stop it card. <laughs> I really do. In some companies where I go and work and I talk about the stop it and then they write me back, they're like, everybody's going stop it, stop it, stop it. But you really have those few seconds of saying stop it gives you time to think differently and change your thoughts. So I think it's important that we do that. We just have to change our thoughts. And I love how you said one step. And my great-granddaughter my granddaughter was trying to get her to go to a champ trampoline and she's only like a year and a half. And she 
put her foot out there. She touched the rubber before she actually jumped in. And I'm going to have to show that video one day because I'm like, this year and a one year and a half year old girl touched that rubber before she put her foot in. And then she said, oh boy, it's here. She just jumped. <laughs> so sometimes we just got to touch the face a little bit and see that it's there and go ahead and jump. Wow. That is an amazing story. And uh, yeah, I'm going to encourage you <laughs> to share that video because I am sure that there are so many adults who could benefit from the lesson that the year and a half year old was demonstrating. I'm curious uh, because I've heard you talk about the importance of words, specifically the words we use to talk to ourselves. I'm a big fan of mantras and leadership quotes and that kind of thing, but that's what I use. What are some of the mantras that you hold on to? I, I think this goes back a millennia. I mean, it's probably why we were taught and scolded and chastised as kids to learn scripture. But what are some mantras that you use uh, to keep yourself on the positive side when things aren't always positive to begin with? Well, one thing I love is carry as you climb. And I like that because as a leader, we want to take people with us and not always just, you know, lead them and I'm the leader and you do this. I think that's that's not good. So I'm always trying to help someone else as I climb the ladder of success or break the glass ceiling or whatever. I'm going to make sure that someone else is there with me. And sometimes I know people can't believe it, but there are times when Dolores is just like, oh, what a day. I have a support system. I have some mastermind sisters. My mastermind sisters will tell me like it is, like, girl, you better just change, you know, your thoughts or whatever. I'm not perfect, but I'll tell you what, I'm 99.9. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but really, I'm not perfect and I do have challenges, but I reach out to my circle. So my mastermind sisters and then knowing that I've carried other people as I'm climbing, then that fuels me. That helps me. Mm. I um, read somewhere. I got to find that book because now I can't remember where it, I can't remember the name of the book that it came from. But it said that everyone has bad days from time to time. You know, as you said earlier, you can't be positive all the time. Successful people aren't those who never have a bad day. They're just able to bounce back quickly so that their bad day doesn't affect their tomorrow. What are some of the things that you do to bounce back quickly when you have a bad day? You, you mentioned your mastermind sisters. What are some things that, that are just go-to for you when you're feeling like, I've got to be amazing for this audience and I don't feel amazing right now. I take action. I do. I remember one time, it was uh, pretty devastating for me as far as someone kind of stealing my idea of something that I had done. After it happened, I started writing this press release. It was a long time ago because I faxed it. So, you know, it was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I faxed like a hundred press releases out. And then I got booked on all these shows. So I took a negative 
and said, Dolores, you got to pull yourself up. You got you give yourself a few seconds, but after that, you have to pull yourself up and take action. So I think it's a little fighter in me. That little six-year-old who didn't get to be the ballerina, she raises her head up and say, okay, girl, come on, let's do it. Let's make it happen. And so I take action. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.